ESPN LA 710. All right, if you spend your extra time on the weekend studying birds to further your understanding of the ecosystems that support all life on Earth, I'm sure you're very fond of the titmaps. And if you are an animation connoisseur and you spend your extra time on the weekends watching Adult Swim's Venture Brothers or Black Dynamite, Disney's XD, Motor City, and Nickelodeon's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, then you are very fond of titmaps because they make cartoons. And Nico and the Sword of Light, which is the first Amazon original to win an Emmy for Outstanding Children's Animated Program for the pilot before the series launch, it premieres just in time for Comic-Con July 21st. And today I am speaking with president and owner of Titmouse, Chris Prynoski. Hi, Chris. Thanks so much for joining me. Hey, how's it going? I'm so excited for Comic-Con to to, uh, be happening, and I know that I'll be there as well as you, and you're going to be in a huge camper trailer, is that right? Yeah, yeah, we drive around in an RV. It's it's good, it's air-conditioned, and we've got some beer, cold beer, and cold water, so you should come and hang out with us. Yeah. Now, this is going to be my first Comic-Con, so I'm really, really excited about this. Now, you and your wife, Shannon, you guys started Titmouse. Can you talk about what your business model was built around? Oh, yeah, sure. We didn't have one, so it was easy. Like, we just, uh, it was built around me taking on too much freelance work and basically Shannon having to figure out a way to get it done. You know, she was producing some commercials at the time and she I was working at Cartoon Network full time and I was also repped as a commercial director. Um so I would get these jobs and then we'd be like, Man, how are we gonna how am I gonna finish these? And she's like, Well let's rent a little space and hire some of your friends to help finish them and then that just kinda grew and now we have like five hundred employees. It's crazy. Oh my god. Yeah, and you guys do so much. You do what branding, IDs, CG, what what else do you yeah. do? Yeah, we just did a, a Nike spot that aired a couple of weeks ago. We just did a Jay Z video that came out last week. Uh do video game stuff, a lot of T V shows, the movie stuff. Anything that needs cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that Jay Z spot I was floored. I was like, Oh my god. Because I didn't read the background on it, and then I saw it, and I was like, ugh, I still don't know how I feel about it. I know it just got my heart when I saw it. Yeah, yeah, that was a crazy one. You know, we, we, the mill did the pre-production on that, and we did the character animation, and we didn't know, really know what it was going to be until it showed up, and it was, uh, it was something we definitely had to keep very secret, because you don't want, uh, you don't want any of those images leaking out of context. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Chris, can you tell us how you um, go about choosing a project? Yeah, you know, it, we're in a good spot now where we, we turn down a lot of work um, and we can, like, choose a little bit more. And you know, we just try to think of think of if there's something we can really sink our teeth into it. You know, if it's, if it's going to be like, you know, we try not to do too many jobs where we lose money, but we're not. Like, like making money is not the main decision in choosing jobs. It's more if, like, if we think the concept is really cool or if it's really funny or if there's, you know, if we can make the animation really good, if there's some creative creative hook, if there's a, a creative reason to do it, um, that's, that's generally our, our primary uh, decision-making factor. What has been most fulfilling for you? Is there a project that just stands out in your head? Man... There's a lot of them. 
I'm trying to think. I mean, Metalocalypse was the first series we did, and I was still very much on the ground. Like, I was still directing episodes and, you know, supervising, producing on that show. So it was uh, that one I felt like I was very proud of, and I thought it was really funny. And we really got to contribute to that because Brendan and Tommy, when they brought that, didn't have an art style. You know, it was very, very much up in the air. John Schnepp had done a, a couple of character designs, but um, it really... I think that one we was was really fun because we were a much smaller studio. We were about thirty people back then. It was like kind of all hands on deck on that show. It's a lot of fun. Now, so okay, so you guys built this. You built your company, and it's it's again five hundred people. How has the industry changed in regards to animation and technology since you started? Well. We used to draw on pieces of paper, and then I mean, we were, were started after like you know they still weren't like painting cells and shooting under a camera. It was still a lot of computers, but we used to draw on on pieces of paper and scan them into the computer and color them and composite them that way. But now you, you don't even use paper; you just draw everything on the computer on computer screens. That Cintiq, which is a the device that we used to draw, it's a you know, a particular type of uh, of a tablet screen. It's like a high-end artist tablet. That thing changed everything. Once that, once those were like readily available, you know, we got some in 2004 when we were barely even a studio. That's I, I kind of give actually our hard start as a studio at, at 2005, and we were using we were like early adopters of that. Now now it's the industry standard to use those for everything. Yeah, and you're the pro at it, right? When you got when you got on it, was it easy to adapt? Kind of. I mean, for some things, yes, but there there wasn't really a pipeline that existed for that type of work. What's good at the time, we were doing a lot more commercials or main title sequences, you know, like uh, station IDs, things that were short form projects. So there, those kind of projects, you don't have to build out a whole series pipeline. So we got to experiment a lot on things. And in that experimentation, how did that help you as an artist? Oh, I think those kind of jobs are really good for, you know, just exploring different techniques and trying out different things. And like every time, you know, commercials and music videos and stuff are, they're generally hard jobs, but they they usually, you know, demand a unique style. So it, it always helps you level up and, and, and uh, increase your like bag of tricks of things that you know that will work and not work in animation. It helps your all your work, all your TV series work and whatever you're doing. So I, I, I like those kind of jobs. They're fun, too, and, they, and they're over quick. Yeah, well, so what do you think your, if I can say, a, a technique of animation? Do you have your own technique? I mean, I think, you know, we have, like, we don't really have a house style. You know, we do all different kinds of work, but I think we have, like, a house sensibility that's, hard to describe you know we just try to infuse something stuff that we like in there in the tone of the show in the art and in in in, in you know and in, in every aspect of the cartoon um as far as a technique like we primarily most of the work we do is 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 2d animation like hand-drawn animation you call it although now we draw on the computer although we do do some jobs we do short jobs in cg and we're doing one series that's a cg job that's like you know fully computer generated you know uh that one's a preschool show for disney oh that's cool now with nico and the sword of light what did you guys do with that what was that you know 
what technique? I mean, that's a hands-drawn 2D technique, and but there's a lot of like, you know, fancy compositing and effects work, and even the shows. Almost every show that we do, even if it's a fully presented as a as a 2D hand-drawn show, has some 3D models in it. Like we'll do that for you know, big vehicles or robots or, like, monsters or sets, like, things like castles or things often will model so we can do fancy camera moves or move them around if it's something that's very hard to draw. Generally, technical things are easier to handle in, you know, if they're modeled in CG and organic things are, you know, easier to draw. I mean, there's exceptions, but that's the general rule. So... So Nico is mostly 2D, but it has some 3D elements. In it. it it was it's beautiful. Uh, oh, thanks. I, I I love it, and uh, my son he watched it like ten times over nice. the past week. <laughs> he's like Nico. Well, on Thursday, he's going to be able to see a bunch more of them. Oh, he's so excited for that. So tell us how um, this Emmy award-winning project, how this got to Amazon. Well, you know, it's interesting because we were aware of it, you know, we I'd seen, you know, the creators created a Kickstarter campaign to do a motion comic based on this and uh you know, uh, is, uh the motion comic was was really cool and got on my radar. It's like, "Oh, that's a cool motion comic." And I didn't think much about it other than being a fan of it. And then I got a call from one of the Amazon execs. It's like, "Hey, we just optioned this show. I think you guys would really be into it and we once we heard about what it was I was like oh we're already aware of that and uh, we got along really well with the creators and with Amazon and I think we're able to you know really contribute to what the final look of the show was and the tone of the show and uh, you know that's basically how it came together they brought on a, a showrunner that Amazon hired but we had worked with before uh, Rob Hoagie who really was instrumental in uh, figuring out how the storytelling would work in it. And, uh, you know, it just happened like I think like many of our shows do. Then you dig in and you you figure it out. Yeah. Draw it. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people that are like plan, 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 plan. But it sounds like you and Shannon, when you first started the company, you were like, okay, let's just do this. Do you find that a lot of the projects you have or that you're doing – you you go in with that sense of um, knowing, but also being free enough to um, explore other options. Yeah, I mean, we definitely go in with way more of a plan than we used to. Um, so yeah, but you know, every production is different, and everything you you figure stuff out. I mean, if you if you you're lucky enough to do a pilot for a series you figure out a lot of things during the pilot and then you can apply what you learn towards the series pipeline. But a lot of times now, you know, you're talking about technology lending to like changes in the animation industry. There's a lot of more um, uh, work we're doing for like a digital distribution, you know, new media companies like, you know, Netflix and Amazon. And, you know, a lot of the series work we've done, uh, has gone direct to series. Um, when you don't have a pilot, it's it's a lot. Or actually, Metal Lockups, the first show we did, there was no pilot. We went direct to series, and that was that's uh, cool. That was pretty hard to figure out. The first three episodes were were definitely a lot of work. Uh, so, yeah. And uh, that, I don't know if that answers your question or not. 
Yeah, how do you handle that? How do you handle that stress of, you know, needing to get, you know, all these shows in and then still trying to stay creative? Yeah, that's that's the balance, you know, because it's the task of getting the shows in. It's 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 not easy, but it's easier than it used to be because we've got, you know, a reputation for doing good work. And also there's a lot of work out there right now. There's a lot of animation being produced and it all needs to be produced somewhere and you know disney and nickelodeon dreamworks cartoon network have studios but most of the other networks don't so they need someone to produce them for them and right one of those ones um and uh you know as far as being creative that's the harder part you know i i, I just pick and choose the jobs that i'm going to be creative on I, I don't i'm not on the ground on it any one of them at like all the time you know mm -hmm. so i'll generally maybe direct one project or maybe be an ep on one project at one time and then we just have a bunch of crew of cool creative people that make sure the other shows are working and turning out well yeah yeah i mean it's you have to have a really strong force around you to produce all of the shows that you guys are doing did you know when you did nico that it that you guys had something special yeah we all really liked the pilot a lot and uh it took a while to get going because you know amazon's a new new to this area of producing you know content at all and let alone like 6 to 11 kids content so it you know like any process and development even with normal networks sometimes it takes a while to get going and it, it between the delivery of the pilot and the starting of the series, there was a, a pretty long gap. But we all knew we were all, we all knew we had made something good and something to be proud of. So I'm glad that everybody eventually uh, came to that same conclusion. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very excited for you. So congratulations on that. How did it feel to win this Emmy for it? Oh, it was fun. Like you know, I've been nominated for a lot of Emmys, maybe like. I don't know, five Emmy nominations or something, but to win mm -hmm. one is way better. And I, we've won some for the studio before, you know, but this one was one where I, uh, my name was on it, which is cool because I was <laughs> yes. EP on it. So I got to go up. I gave the speech, which was fun. Oh, I didn't cool. think we were going to win, so I was a little drunk, <laughs> you know, <laughs> up against DreamWorks shows, and I was like, there's no way we're going to beat DreamWorks. And, uh who knows how it happened? I yeah. People like it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, there are a lot of, like, emerging trends and, you know, future developments of an, of the animation industry. And you guys are working with uh, Google Tilt Brush on a couple projects. Figurus 666 is one we're in production on now. That's with uh, Brendan Small, who's one of the creators of Metalocalypse, for his new uh, project Galacticon, which is like this crazy space opera and he's about to release the second album this will be a vr music video for that album which is to my knowledge the first heavy metal virtual reality music video so wow. we shall see <laughs> you know and we did a music video previously using tilt brush and tilt brush toolkit called show it to me uh that premiered at south by southwest um Right now, we haven't released these officially. They're mostly available through film festivals or through art presentations. There's one traveling uh, art show where you can uh, check out Show It To Me. There's, it's also being distributed in China in VR 
arcades. But um, I don't know how many people in China listen to this. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's millions, millions. <laughs> so talk about the tilt brush because I remember it coming out and seeing the、uh, video on it, and I was like, oh my god, what is this? Can you describe to our listeners what the tilt brush is and how you, as an artist, can create? Yeah, it's great. It'll blow your brains apart. Like you're inside. There's nothing you can't really describe it. You have to do it. Like you know, it's like you go inside and you're in another world. And anything you can paint with all these different kind of brushes, but they don't adhere to any kind of real world physics. You know, it's like they float in the air and you paint with fire and all these different colors and do all this crazy stuff and. It's amazing. I mean, it was the first thing, one of the first things I did in VR. I immediately sought out、uh, Drew and Patrick, the guys who who created it, and started working with them. And then they got bought by Google, which was great because then,、uh, you know, some of the things that we were doing with them, creating art with it, they, Google was able to pay us to do, which was awesome. It was、that、cool to get paid、awesome. to do something that you like. You yeah.、Know? Yeah. And,、uh, and I really like that team, and I really like that software. It's amazing, and actually. If、uh, it just came out yesterday, or I'm not sure when it came out、uh, recently, I'll say uh, uh, did、uh, one of these episodes of Art Attack, which is on Soul Pancake, and it's produced by VR Scout, and you can see me、uh, painting in VR, and it has a little voiceover of me talking about what it's like to paint in tilt brush. If you want to check、oh, that cool. out, cool. Cool. Yeah, I met.、Uh... One of the people, I think, one of the founders of VR Scout at a Nokia when they were announcing their VR camera. Did you go to that event in、uh, downtown? I, I don't think I went to that event, but I know those guys really well.、They're、yeah, yeah, they are. They are, and、uh, the VR world is just—we we say it's new. People are still learning and and creating in it. What do you see? For VR and for animation down the line,、uh, you know we we're really digging in. You know what I see in general. I mean, there's so many applications for VR, and most of them aren't actually in entertainment. Like I think it's most like a lot. There's it's like very useful in in me- medical,、um, mm-hmm. useful in education and training and like military training. I did like a flight like a jet fighter simulation in it. It was cool.、Right. I realized I would totally crash a jet fighter if I <laughs> was flying one, which is good. You can learn in VR and、uh, travel is great. You know,、uh, of course,、uh, you probably know that pornography is one of the leading things、uh, yes, as it is in many technologies. Yeah.、Um, but animation, horror, horror is great. Video games, great.、Uh, animation and comedy in general is a, is a tough one because、um, the storytelling is a way different. Feel it's got a different structure, so we've been digging in with our stuff. We did a game called Smash Party VR that you can get on Steam. That's free, by the way.、Um, it's based on this party that we do where we smash stuff, and that's a lot of fun. Yeah. And then you know these music videos, but none of we're not doing anything that's realistic. We're doing everything to make it look like cartoons, to make it look like like weird cartoons, because we feel like there's a lot of places that are good at realism and. You know, either shooting real stuff or doing photo real CG, but that's not what we're into. We want to make stuff that looks like crazy cartoon worlds. And I think, as far as stories go, what's working for us so far is is not 
not so much linear stories and more characters and, and some of the stuff we have in development now for VR is very much about hanging out with comedic characters and less about like following a, a very specific story. Mm, interesting. As far as like technology, you, you know, we, we talk about how, you know, marketing has changed so much because of, you know, the new digital platforms, because of social media and the way that you produce content can't be on the same on all um, applications. Can you talk about how or if it's changed the way you create your assets or your or the campaigns you produce? Yeah, you know, it's different. You know, there's there's like all sorts of like formats to deliver stuff in now, and it depends. You know, the ad work is the is the thing that's the most different because. You know, in the TV work, now we're we're having to do some 4K deliveries, which is a little different. But that's, like, pretty much the same aspect ratio. It's just higher resolution, stuff like that. So that's that's just, like, a technical achievement. So that's a pretty thing. You know, there's, there's – as long as you just do the right technical stuff, you can deliver that fine. But um, for the ad stuff, a lot of times now, like, hey, we're going to deliver a 16 by 9 aspect ratio for, you know – for TV or for many other things, but we need a square aspect ratio for a bunch of social stuff. We need a vertical aspect ratio for people's cell phones and whatnot. So you have to conceive of ideas. It's like, okay, well, going from 16 by 9 to a square is hard enough, but then going to a full vertical, that's like a, that's a wholly different composition. So it's, you know, really thinking about how you're going to maybe even place the camera in a totally different spot for, mm-hmm. for the vertical delivery than you would for the the wider screen one so yeah there are a lot of different there's a lot of different ways to deliver stuff now the good thing is you know everything's digital so it it's it's you know it's just setting up your projects correctly and making sure you have the latitude to to export it and crop it all different ways yeah chris you did the first for titmouse which was working on the nike ad with w and k can you mm-hmm. talk about that the the why not campaign and that's one that we had to deliver in a square format as well and i think different cut downs so i think the the full cut down was a 90 or and then there was a 60 and then there might have even been shorter ones like but um yeah so the square format is generally for instagram or whatever vine i guess doesn't exist anymore but you know things like that um, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, the agency approached us, and they had this song, and, uh, you know, they had been exploring uh, designs, but uh, I guess they weren't happy with them, so they came to us, and, uh, you know, Black Dynamite was their point of reference, which is a show that we produced, so yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Chase Conley and uh, Ron Wimberly were both uh, character designers on Black Dynamite, so we brought them on, and they've since, you know... Ron's an amazing uh, comic artist, and Chase has gone on to direct, uh, you know, an animation. So we brought them in to co-direct it, and uh, I think they did an amazing job. They had a very short uh, schedule, so they had to do a lot of drawing, you know. They were very much on the ground directing. Uh, Ron doing a lot of character designs and Chase doing a lot of the posing. And, uh, yeah, we delivered that, like, really under the wire because that had a very, like, time-sensitive delivery because it was tied to the – you know, the the MVP uh, voting. Right. So, uh, so that one couldn't be late, you know. Yeah. 
So it, it, there is a huge difference doing ads versus doing Adult Swim. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, generally with TV shows, you know, it's like a, a show, will, you know, we either, either will sell a show to a network or they'll come to us and hire us to do a show that, that they need to be produced. And we'll, we'll assemble a team. Sometimes the network will have ideas on who should be the team. Sometimes they don't. We have to pitch people and, you know, we'll write the the you know, we'll write the show in-house, we'll cast it, we'll do the records, you know, we'll produce it all the way through and mix it. With that stuff, it's a lot different. You come in way down the line in a lot of these, you know, sometimes there's already a track, there's already designs. In this case, they had a track only, um, and we took it from design and direction on, but sometimes they even have a look, like if it's a campaign that exists, sometimes they'll have a look, like sometimes we would do spots, you know, that have, like, existing mascot characters for like cereal or fast food or something and it's like well that you just use you know it's supposed to look like this and that's the right. way you gotta look. <laughs> yeah exactly it's like okay this is it so yeah. uh now we talked about the jay-z video story of oj the story of oj oh my gosh okay so in the creation of that, can you talk about how that process went in creating um, the characters in the video? Well, that one was a very, you know, that one was a job where we only did the, the animation. So we didn't actually do the character designs for that or the storyboard. So that one we were brought in very specifically as just the animation studio. So that, those designs, the concept, all the shots were figured out before we came on board. So we were we were just primarily tasked to execute that job. So I can't really I don't really know the process that they oh. they used to come up with the designs and stuff, but um uh you know, they did that at the mill. If you want to do a, a, a an interview yeah. with them, they're really cool. <laughs> Yeah. But Chris, so can you talk about the character animation type? What what does that consist of? Yeah, well, we, you know, the director really wanted it to be uh, authentic as as well as, as Jay-Z did uh, to feel like these, like, you know, these 30s, you know, like kind of mid-30s into like early 40s, uh, the cartoon style that was, you know, from a different era and frankly, you know, a somewhat like racist depiction, not even somewhat like a flagrant racist depiction of, you know, the subject matter. And, you know, it, it has to be done in a, in a, it's, it's a hard line to walk, right? Because you want to dig into that stuff, but you don't, you know, you don't want, you want it to make sure that it's a, it's a commentary and not, a, you know, not taken as a sincere, you know, as a sincerely racist music <laughs> video, you know? So, uh, you know, there's a lot of studying. There's also a lot of nods to existing animation work in there. Uh, you know, they were sensitive to, you know, kind of reference some of the source material. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't have a mental catalog of a lot of that. Yeah. But I think there's some articles online where they break down, like, what, yeah. like, old cartoons were referenced for some of those scenes. Yeah, like the sam the sambos. If you, you know, exactly. have to have a visual in your face, I I mean, when I got the link, I was like, I didn't have my earphones on, so it was going, yeah. and I'm writing notes, and I'm looking, and I'm I'm like, what the freak is this? <laughs> Again, I still don't know how I feel about it. It's crazy. The main character is uh, J. You know, he calls himself J Bo, which is obviously a play on word on the sambo you know mm -hmm. it's, it's jay-z version of that 
character type. But if you're not familiar with the song, the lyrics and the message of the song is the, the you know, the, the contradiction to the uh, to the imagery. Right, right, absolutely. Now, am I going to say this right? Is it anime? anime? Anime. Yeah, okay. So anime. it was downtown L.A. across from um, ESPN uh, a couple weekends ago. Did, were you at that? Oh, Anime Expo. Yeah, 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 we did a panel at Anime Expo. Yep. Now, did you do Toonami? Were you uh, we showed Tsunami? a bunch of things. That, yeah, we just showed a bunch of work that we done. You know, generally, we, every year we do a, a panel, uh, just a general tip mouse panel at Anime Expo, and, and then it seems to fill up the room every year, so we keep mm-hmm. doing it. And we just talk in general about whatever projects we think are cool or, or our clients are have allowed us to talk about at right. any given time. Like um, we showed, yeah, we showed some of the tsunami stuff we're working on. We did, actually showed some of that um, that uh, Nike spot, the Y Not Zero. We showed some of the behind the scenes, some of the storyboards and designs and rough animation for that. We showed the trailer for Nico. We showed probably other stuff that I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was good. It was fun. And what we do with that panel is we draw you know, during the course of the panel, and then anyone who asks a question gets a gets an original drawing. So that's fun. We draw under a camera so everybody can see the drawing. What are the big conferences or the big talks you give around the country um, that are most popular for animators or animation? Well, uh, Comic-Con is a big one, you know, so we'll be doing a big uh, Nico and the Sword of Light panel down at Comic-Con, uh, San Diego Comic-Con, which is very soon. And yes. uh, New York Comic Con is another one. That's in October, so we'll have a panel there. This Anime Expo is a good one. Um, those are like three of the main ones that we do every year. Then there's other ones. I think going to do a workshop at the Future of Storytelling this year. We'll see if we uh, that hasn't been 100% locked in, but that's like about like VR and other like kind of future like forward-thinking ways of telling stories. It's a mm-hmm. uh, real interesting conference. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, there's some, it's a lot of conventions. Some, sometimes uh, the animation festivals, we were at Annecy, which is the uh, world's biggest animation festival that's in France, and we did some panels there. We did some work with Tilt Breast. We showed a sneak preview. Oh, that's of this cool. 66 video there and let people try it out. And, uh, yeah, Annecy's are always a real fun one. We premiered a movie there last year. So I, I like going to Annecy every year. That's a good one. Um, but there's a lot of them. There's like a never – you could get South by Southwest. That was a fun one to go. You know, there's so many of these things you can't go to all of them. Yeah. Um, didn't you show something out at South by Southwest? Was it, was it the – Yeah, um... we premiered a, a virtual reality video there, the one called Show It to Me. So that, that was fun. What was the what was the um, process or the the thought process about creating that video in regards well, you to know, you know I'd gone to I was doing some live VR painting at last last year's V VRLA party and uh, you know Tilt Brush had recommended me to the VR Scout guys who I'd mm-hmm. I'd done this at another VR Scout party before. But they were uh, showcasing their audio reactive brushes at the party, and so I was meant to go on stage and paint with the audio reactive brushes. And I hadn't tried them previously, and that was great, you know, because you have a DJ there, and the, the brushes react to all the waveforms of the audio and dance around and animate. So I thought, 
oh, this would be great for a music video if only we could edit a bunch of these sequences together. Mm -hmm. I cornered one of the engineers from Tilt Brush who happened to be in town at the party, and I was like, man, can you build me an edit timeline for Tilt Brush so we could put a bunch of these in a row? And he's like, oh, wow. you know, I think that's possible. And then I happened to be up in San Francisco a week later, and I met with the Tilt Brush. I kind of invited myself over to Google. <laughs> and like, like, we're going to have lunch and talk to them and got them enthused about it. So they, they essentially built a toolkit just for us, just for Titmouse to use to make a music video, and it was super useful. And then in building it for us, they actually realized that this is a tool that they could actually release as a, as a tool for people to do wow. music videos or whatever they want. So basically, we were trying to figure out a deadline for our music video that we were using Tilt for, and we submitted to South By and got in, and then we're like, okay, I guess that's our deadline is to get it done before South by Southwest. So it was good to get into a festival because it forced us to finish the video. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, because the colors are amazing in it. I, I'm, um, there was, uh, I don't know the terminology, uh, but one of the people on the video for your tilt brush on your website, um, they were talking about, oh, I, I guess, Artists don't want, they didn't want to do acrylic, is mm. acrylic color, and then mm. now everybody wants to do acrylic, I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think he was, talking, he was using that as, as you know, I, I'm familiar. That's that, that video that they showed in the New York Times, I think. It was, uh, that artist was talking about how, yeah, like years ago, like, you know, when acrylic was first introduced, like people who painted in oils, they weren't used to it, so they didn't want to use it. But now everybody uses it. Oh. I think that's what he was talking about. This is a brand new medium, and now oh. people are getting used to it. And, and uh, you know, now, you know, who knows what people are going to create with it. So as an artist, did you find that it was easy to use in that space? Just, you know, what you see? Because yeah. you, you yeah, were saying, yeah, yeah. talk about it's, that it's a, that process. I mean, it's just it's just a totally freeing. If anything, it's the most difficult thing about it is it's totally limitless. So you have to you, you have to like kind of figure out what your own parameters are because there's very few in there. You, you can paint all around you, and you know there doesn't seem to be any lag or any. Mem I haven't been able to trip up the software at all wow. as far as like as far as being it. You know, if you draw too much, it doesn't slow down or, or prevent you from adding more brush strokes or doing more things. So it's it's. Uh, yeah, so the hardest thing is probably to decide when your piece is finished. Yeah, a lot of people, they talk about how going from a creative to, you know, being an executive and you, you're, you have to run this company and have all these employees and do all the business stuff. How has that transition been for you and how can you make sure that your creativity doesn't lag behind because you're doing the business of animation? Well, I'm lucky in that, you know, when we first started, Shannon, you know, coming more from a producing background, did more of that stuff. And then as we've expanded, you know, we've got, you know, accounting departments and a financial officer and an HR department and HR people and IT people and, you know, uh, operations people to, you know, run the, the buildings and stuff. So mm -hmm. it's, as we've expanded, it's been, you know, there's a part in the middle where you're doing a lot of stuff when you're first starting up and you, you have growing pains and you have to do a lot of that stuff. But I haven't had to do a lot of businessy stuff for a while other than like pitching and sales 
work and meeting with the heads of some of the networks. I don't get out into the nitty-gritty of like doing budgets or doing schedules. It's good we have uh, Ben, who's our like COO and our like supervising producer, will do a lot of that stuff. Have, so I don't have to ask. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> have you found that you know having your own business and having to um, do marketing has that changed the way that you look at certain campaigns or things that you take on? Uh, probably, you know, it probably should more than it does. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we still kind of like use our heart a lot more than our brains when we decide what jobs to do. Yeah, you know? that's great. Not a lot of people yeah. can say that. We argue, we argue a lot, you know, I mean, in a constructive way, you know, yeah. mostly Antonio, who's our creative director and Ben, our COO and myself are often like kind of like debating i guess is a probably a better word than arguing about which jobs we should take and which ones you should turn down and it's always different like it's not always like the same like if we all agree then that's great then it's probably the right decision it's like we all agree to turn down this job then all right then we're definitely going to do it but then sometimes yeah. you know sometimes it's me against both of them sometimes it's me teamed up with one of them against the other guy or who knows what yeah well, uh, Chris, so give us again the rundown on Nico and the Sword of Light and when that's premiering, how we can get it, and also what you're doing at Comic-Con. So there's a big panel at Comic-Con, and it's the, premiering the 21st. I believe the panel is on the 21st, the day it's premiering, and you need to have Amazon Prime. I think you might be able to watch the first episode free mm -hmm. if you you know, download the app uh, or you have a smart TV with Amazon Prime. But if you are an Amazon Prime member, then you could watch the entire season for free um, <laughs> because you've already paid for it with your Amazon Prime yeah. membership, which if you don't have, you should get it because it's really convenient. You want stuff yeah. delivered to you for free or oh within God. two days? I know. Oh, I love great. Amazon. Yeah. So you might not know. I mean, sometimes it's hard to find, you know, exactly how to watch the shows. But once you figure out where to do it, it's great. They got a ton of stuff on there to watch. Like, people are always surprised. It's like, you know, I don't even know how much stuff they have, but it's a lot. It's a lot of TV shows, a lot of movies, a lot of original stuff, all ages. It's cool. Do you find that it's different working for, like, Amazon or Netflix than working with a broadcast or network? Uh, not so much different. I think the biggest difference is, you know, with broadcast networks, they generally air shows you know, like weekly, some of them are daily, but you have a delivery schedule where you're delivering like one episode at a time and they're airing them one episode at a time, like every the same time, every week or whatever. Whereas, you know, with Netflix and Amazon, they drop the whole season at once. So you, there's a lot more lead time to the delivery. You know, you have to, they like with a, with a traditional network, they could start airing the series while you're still working on it because yeah. there's, you know, once you have a few episodes finished, they can start airing those, and you can be working on the subsequent episodes. Yeah. With Amazon and Netflix, you know, you have to finish the entire season, and then they right. put it up there, bam, all at once. So that's the biggest difference. Because people just want their stuff right now, right now. Yeah. Get it to me now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been truly a pleasure to have you on the show, talk about Titmouse. If we want to find out more about Titmouse, how can we follow you? How can we log on? What is that information? Yeah, I mean, our, our Twitter is uh, at Titmouse Inc. Like, 
ink like incorporated, not ink like ink that you draw with. And uh, the website is titmouse.net. We couldn't afford .com. <laughs> it's true, the guy who won't sell it to us, he wants a lot of money. Um, <laughs> and he's never put up a website. Oh. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> and he's had it for 20 years and never wow. used it. Anyway, um, and then my Twitter is 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 uh, just my name, Chris Pranowski, which is P R Y N O S K I, and uh, that's probably enough things right. for someone to want to <laughs> type in. Yes, well, president and owner of Titmouse, Chris Pranowski. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. This is awesome. All right. I'm Laferne Cusack. This is ESPN LA. For more information, please log on to ESPN LA and download podcasts or check me out on Twitter at Laferne Cusack. See you next week. ESPN LA 710.